Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Monday, August 6th. I'm Desiree Frazier, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, find out why Democrats in the state legislature want a bigger say in possible state infrastructure solutions. Then, the historic Mississippi home where a civil rights leader was slain is being recognized on a national list of civil rights sites. Find out more. And after everyday tech, why the state's public service commissioners are advocating for getting high-speed Internet service to rural areas in Mississippi. The number one issue that I have spoke to on a daily basis is people come up and say, how can you help me get fast speed in there? Because most people don't have a good understanding of what broadband is. That's all coming up. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. State and legislative leaders are still going back and forth on how to fund repairs to Mississippi's languishing infrastructure. Democratic leaders of the state legislature are asking Republican Governor Phil Bryant for a seat at the negotiating table when it comes to talk about roads and bridges. They expressed their interest in a joint letter to Governor Bryant last week. Legislators are at a year-long impasse over how to fund repair projects on the state's crumbling streets and highways. Senator Derek Simmons of Greenville says he and his fellow Democrats have felt left out of the process so far. He tells MPB's Ezra Wall they're open to any ideas except more corporate tax breaks. Well, Democrats, we're not in charge. And so any disagreement uh, or any inability to have a comprehensive uh, plan to fix our transportation or infrastructure system has been on the people in charge, the Republicans. Now, Democrats, Ezra, certainly want to work collaboratively with our colleagues to make sure that we have a comprehensive plan. But for some reason, a lot of things have been done in the dark, and we want Republicans to to work in a transparent way uh, and in an inclusive way so we can get uh, this this crisis uh, done. So you as the leader of Senate Democrats and David Beria as leader of House Democrats have have written a letter jointly to Governor Phil Bryant. What's the sort of a, a summary of what that letter says? We are asking Governor Bryant to work with the Republican leadership of the House and the Senate to encourage them to let's address the issues that we are facing, that all Mississippians are facing regarding this transportation and this uh, infrastructure issue. Uh, to to work comprehensively with putting everything on the table. And when we say everything on the table, we're talking about looking at uh, the tax code uh, and and coming up with with a tax code that will create some kind of long-term revenue stream, but but not just cut taxes and and give away uh, money to the rich and take away money from our residents or to give all of our tax dollars to corporations and take money away from our citizens. So we need to to look at the tax code and come up with a plan that will sustain uh, our infrastructure uh, system for years to come. 
So you you mentioned some of the tax breaks that have been handed to uh, various corporations, and the counter argument to that, if if you'll allow me to pose it, is that those tax breaks are what entices some of those companies to come here, thus creating more jobs in Mississippi, thus creating more money in the economy in terms of income taxes to ultimately flow into the state budget. If you consider seven hundred to eight hundred million dollars of tax cuts since 2012 that have been given away to corporations as an investment, I'm still waiting on the return of the investment. Uh, We have vital uh, government functions that need to be funded. And of course, as we know, uh, this infrastructure system is one of them. And so I just have not been able to see anyone to give me any numbers that will show that we have received a return on the investment, if you want to call it an investment. I mean, I don't call it an investment, as it relates to almost a billion dollars of tax cuts that we've given away to corporations. So infrastructure, to bring it up to up to standard, uh, the estimates that we've seen are in the many hundreds of millions of dollars. Do you see a way forward without raising taxes? I don't see a way forward to come up with, I think the last count was about, somewhere between 300 to $500 million annually. Um, I don't see a way that that could be done without reworking our tax code and coming up with a, a fair uh, tax code that will, will really take uh, to effect the value of all our taxpayers in the state of Mississippi. And the least among us, they deserve uh, safe roads and bridges even though they may not be putting in a lot of tax dollars, each tax dollar should be valued, and we should be good stewards of uh, taxpayer dollars. And uh, we just have not been in the Mississippi legislature since 2012. Governor Bryant has said uh, over and over again since the conclusion of the last session that uh, as soon as House and Senate uh, leaders can come to uh, a sort of a tentative agreement. Uh, he'll call a special session where the legislature can come and hammer out the uh, infrastructure, an infrastructure plan for the future. So, uh, as as Democrats now, you're you're uh, encouraging the governor to uh, provide you with a, a bigger seat at the table. Is that really feasible, considering that even among Republicans, the House and the Senate can't manage to agree with each other at this point? The Republicans, they can come up with their with a solution to their own problem, internal problems. But as policymakers, uh, we want a seat at the table, and we want to have a process in place to address this dangerous and persistent dilemma that we are facing regarding infrastructure. We are asking the governor to tell Speaker Dunn and to tell Lieutenant Governor Tate Reeves So let's sit down at the table, put party lines aside, and work in a transparent, inclusive way to address this serious problem that we are facing. Senator Derek T. Simmons is the chair of the Senate Democratic Caucus, and uh, it represents uh, his district includes Greenville, Mississippi, where he's from. Senator Simmons, thank you very much for visiting with me today and uh, sharing your perspective on the infrastructure issue. Thank you. Governor Bryant says he will call a special session to address infrastructure funding when House and Senate leaders reach a tentative agreement. At the Neshoba County Fair, the governor told members of the press he's open to working transparently.
It's important to have an agreement. The worst thing we can do is get over there and have a lot of arguments that go on and drive uh, what should be a two-day session into four or five. I think we need to reach out to more leadership. I talked to the speaker uh, yesterday. He's reaching out not only to his Republican leadership, but to the Democratic leadership. We don't want to do anything behind doors or in the dark. We want everybody to know what we're doing. And when we get to that process, um, then we'll consider calling it. I won't call it unless we have an agreement, unless we, in, in general terms, and we can move forward and do it in a, in a quick period of time. Coming up, the historic Mississippi home where civil rights leader was slain is being recognized on a national list of civil rights sites. Find out more. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. The fishing boats go out across the evening water Smuggling guns and arms across the Spanish border We've smuggled arms over borders. People have died trying to cross them. The U.S.-Canadian border runs through a library in Vermont. Some people want to build up borders. Some want to get rid of them altogether. We'll look at borders next time, here and now. Today at noon on MPB Think Radio. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. A historic home in Jackson, Mississippi, is now part of a national network of civil rights sites and could be on its way to becoming a national monument. State and federal dignitaries gathered to commemorate the Megger and Murley Evers home being designated as part of the African American Civil Rights Network on Friday. The network recognizes programs and sites that relate to the African American Civil Rights Movement from 1939 through 1968. Rena Evers Everett is the daughter of civil rights leader Megger Evers. She attended the events at her childhood home where her father was murdered in 1963. She says it's bittersweet. It's difficult returning to the state, not necessarily just to the house, but the house um, has such, um, as I said earlier, bittersweet moments. And standing here right now, it's... it's um, it's a little difficult because you never forget. You never forget the sights. You never get, forget the sounds or the smells. And so um, one thing I just wanted to say is that the family years ago uh, bequeathed it over to Tougaloo College because our family wanted people to understand what happened here and to preserve the history. And history is so important as long as you tell the truth of the history. And getting the truth out is critical. And standing on this concrete driveway where bloodstains are still here, that's important to understand not only the bullet holes that go through these walls, but they go through our spirit and my heart. Okay? To understand that this is real. This has not happened centuries ago. This happened in our lifetime, and changes were made in our lifetime. And to preserve this type of history in all the different sites that are going to be on the African American Network and, and future sites that are historical sites, those are the things that we need to know as not just citizens, but as human beings of the world to understand each other. And that's what this is about, and I, I embrace everything that Secretary Zinke has said with one point. It is important that this is a neighborhood. This is a neighborhood that we love and that we grew up. 
and it's so important to get the full impact softened and have it a positive results for both sides as much as possible. And um, Governor Bryant, you know we're going to be sitting on your desk in a minute. We're going to be talking. But today has been a monumental day for our family, but also for so many. And um, this is just the beginning of the sites that we all need to know about. And so we embrace everyone to come and visit all the sites and make sure that you come to the hearings so we can get the full impact of what you're feeling. Rena Evers Everett. Governor Phil Bryant says he supports the designation. I think this is certainly going to be a community uh, effort, and it's going to be a historic one. Uh, but Tugaloo is going to come along. We're not going to leave that great institution behind. They're part of the fabric of the state uh, and this new monument, uh, future monument. And uh, we wouldn't dare think about leaving uh, college out or certainly uh, the really? families. I just uh, talked to Ms. Murley Evers. And what an amazing force of nature she is. <laughs> Um, and she gave me a few instructions, and I intend to carry those out and make this right. U.S. Secretary of the Interior Ryan Zinke says his office is working to make the Evers home a national monument. Coming up after Everyday Tech, the state's public service commissioners are advocating for getting high-speed Internet service to rural areas in the state. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. This is Everyday Tech on Mississippi Edition. I'm Michelle McAdoo with Wilts Couture, and today we're discussing general technology and how technology affects our everyday lives. So, Wilts, technology is all around us in our everyday lives, from when we wake up in the morning to when we go to bed at night. There's no way to get through your day without being impacted by technology in some way. Well, that's true. From the moment we wake up, I mean... Yes, the alarm clock. We may not sometimes think about the technology behind that, but really the alarm clock is the first piece of technology we're interacting with during the day. For me, that's followed up by just using an electronic toothbrush. And what about that, those coffee pots? You know, How many people now wake up and the coffee's waiting on them? I know my wife sets hers the night before, and it's just she wakes up to a nice fresh cup of coffee. So there's intelligence and technology that goes into that as well. So... So getting us going in the morning is is definitely technology-influenced. And then that moves on to the morning commute, say, going into work. I mean, what are we affected by in tech in that way? You've got the car that we hop into. Well, there are safety features, and there are safety features in the cars around us, thankfully, that are also influenced by technology, be it the, the more common, the low-tech, hey, it's got brakes and turn signals, or even the backup cameras and lane change alerts and all the other newer things that we're starting to see become more common or standard features in these cars. So so now we're surrounded by technology just trying to get to the office. We all easily see where technology kind of comes in in the office too. You know, we walk on in, there's a computer on the desk. You'd be hard-pressed to say that technology has not changed how we go about our daily tasks or accomplish them. Um, one thing that comes to mind is the accounting department at our office. You know, 
Back in the olden days, just a few years ago, they were sitting there over those green striped pieces of paper trying to work through journal entries and everything else. Well, now everything is digital and it can happen a lot faster. So we really see where that comes in for the office worker or even the factory worker out on the floor. Just, you know, robotics, uh, you know, nearby we have car manufacturers and everything else. So, so that technology and that advancement is making it easier and quicker to accomplish these tasks that used to take hours or even days. So what we're saying is technology has allowed us to accomplish in minutes what would have taken all day. You're absolutely right. It has helped us to accomplish many things that would have taken a lot longer. And in many instances, it's also helped us to accomplish those same tasks safer and more efficiently and more accurately. Technology has allowed a lot of people to work from home. They don't even have to go into an office, correct? Well, exactly. Yes, you can actually through VPN technology and other ways to connect into office resources, you can actually work from your house. So you could be getting your daily job done while sitting there sipping a cup of coffee out of your coffee pot in your pajamas. And so getting us through the day with technology, you know, a lot of times we see that as as an office function, but really it goes back in the car with us when we go home. What about when you turn on the radio in the afternoon? Just some people listening to our broadcast today, you could be hearing this from the Internet. You could be hearing it from the radio. You could be hearing it from satellite radio. So so really even radio has changed, just like t- uh, television has changed in that we have streaming services now and you're getting more things on demand So the technology is actually bringing us the news in a different way, be that in our commute or or at the house. And then let's not forget, once you get home in the evening and you've made your way through dinner and you're finally relaxing and you're about to lay your head down, technology is there too. It could be that CPAP machine that is helping people with sleep apnea get a better night's sleep and a safer night's sleep. It could be the security system that you turn on in your house that makes sure that whenever you lay your head down at night, you can actually lay your head down at night with peace. And it could even be something as simple as that fire alarm or that carbon monoxide detector sitting in your home that makes sure that as you are sleeping that you and your family stay safe at night. So we can really see that from sunup to sundown, from the time we wake to the time we sleep, and even while we're asleep, technology is definitely there to help us, to make our jobs easier, to keep us safe, to keep our families safe. The thing we need to be mindful of, however, is that we use technology to enhance our experiences and our tasks and not replace the human aspect of what we're working to accomplish. We will talk more about general technology and how it affects our everyday lives on the next Everyday Tech, the show that comes on Wednesdays at 10 a.m. You can always send us an email to everydaytech at mpbonline.org. For Wilts Couture, I'm Michelle McAdoo. This is Everyday Tech on Mississippi Edition. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. Access to high-speed Internet is an increasing problem in Mississippi. The state is ranked 49th in connectivity with nearly 30% of the population lacking broadband service, according to the Federal Communications Commission. Members of the State Public Service Commission are speaking out on behalf of Mississippians pushing for increased access. Some say Mississippi will fall further behind in education, health care, and business if solutions are not found. Public Service Commissioner Sam Britton represents the Southern District. He says current Mississippi law prohibits electric power associations, or EPAs, from providing high-speed Internet. But they could be a possible solution in Mississippi. 
Britain tells MPB's Karen Brown one of the challenges in getting access to high-speed Internet is inconsistent availability. When you come down to it, the system we have right now is basically everybody is providing that service, and it's for profit. So with that, they go to the areas where they can provide service for profit. Now, that's not bad because in some areas of the state of Mississippi, we have great coverage. But then you have other areas of the state where you have no coverage or very poor coverage, and it can very easily go back. I mean, Mississippi is ranked 49th in connectivity with almost uh, 30% to one-third of the population lacking any broadband service. And that's reported as reported by the Federal Communications Commission. And also, I've had many people tell me that that are very optimistic numbers. And I can also tell you, as the Public Service Commissioner, and we have three Public Service Commissions, and I know the other two get the same thing, the number one issue that I have spoke to on a daily basis is people come up and say, how can you help me get broadband, or I also call it fast-speed Internet. Because most people don't have a good understanding of what broadband is. But high-speed Internet enough to where it will work. Even this past Sunday when I went to a rural church, my wife, we were out there. And, you know, two people came up. I spent almost 20 minutes talking and getting their name trying to help them get broadband service. So if people have it, they think it's all great. But then the people that don't have it or have slow service, it is a big issue. What do you see as the greatest benefit to Mississippians in rural areas as to why they need access to the Internet? Can you imagine yourself doing the job that you have without high-speed Internet access? Even if you go out and you live in rural Mississippi or you live in the urban area of Jackson, Mississippi, it is the same issue. I have people that have come to me, more than one, and have said they built a home, and these are very successful people, they have built a home it is out in rural Mississippi, and their plan was to work from home because their job allowed them to do so. And then they were just adamantly surprised that they could not get Internet speed fast enough to do it. So I'll even turn it around another way. Can you imagine a business locating anywhere without having high-speed Internet? And as a matter of fact, you turn back around and people now, as I am being told, are making decisions about where they will live in their homes based on the fact of high-speed Internet. I think it's past the thing of being a luxury or something like, like cable. It's just a part of your job. Any job that anybody has, uh, you have to have that speed. Even a guy, Roughneck, that travels overseas, they communicate back and forth uh, with their companies electronically. So they have to have connectivity, however, so that they can even communicate. I think it is something where we're moving forward. It is just expected. Just like you have a phone, everybody's expected to have one. I think now everyone is expected to have a connection to the Internet and at fast enough speed to where it will work. So you move forward and you tie this. It's almost an economic development. Well, it is an economic development issue. If people do not have access to connect to it, we're going to fall behind in all areas, education, health care, business. If, as a state, we do not solve this problem, all of those areas are going to fall further and further behind. You support a state law to permit electric power associations to offer high-speed Internet service to Mississippi. Why isn't that happening now? Number one, I do support allowing Mississippi electric power associations to change the law to where they can offer the high-speed Internet access. Right now, as you know, the law prohibits them from doing so. Now, as soon as I say they should have the authority to do so, I will just as quickly come in and say I know that that will not be a good fit for all the EPAs. It may only be just a couple of them that it will be a good fit. 
But I believe this is such a big issue, we should allow anybody that wants to the opportunity to do so. Let's face it, when you start talking about we're in a free market and free market solutions, I believe that any entity that wants to offer the high-speed Internet service should be allowed to do so. Um, the issues with that become political, and um, I'll almost let others speak to that, but I see it as good policy to allow the EPAs to provide that service. Sam Britton is one of three public service commissioners in Mississippi representing the Southern District. Sam, thanks so much for your thoughts, sharing your thoughts with us today. Very good, Karen. I do appreciate it. Public Service Commissioner Brandon Presley agrees. Today, he's kicking off a series of public meetings across North Mississippi to engage citizen task force on the lack of cellular telephone service and high-speed Internet service in several counties. Residents on the North Mississippi Task Force will meet periodically to gather information, assist the commissioner in identifying problem areas, and collaborate with leaders. Task Force meetings will continue throughout the remainder of the year and into next. The first series of Task Force meetings begin today in Oxford, two tomorrow in Fulton and in Tupelo. For more information, you can contact Commissioner Presley's office 1-800-637-7722. Stay tuned to MPB Think Radio for a full slate of Mississippi-based programs all morning long. Coming up at 9, it's Deep South Dining. Then at 10, it's Now You're Talking. 11, stay tuned for Southern Remedy, Healthy and Fit. I'm Desiree Frazier. We'll see you tomorrow for the next edition of Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio at 830.